Hello, and welcome back to the A to Z Animal Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Baratka, and of course, any little bird noises you may hear is my unofficial co-host, Pickle, my canary wing parakeet. She is very cute, so I recommend checking her out on Instagram at Pickle the Canary Wing. And just a quick announcement for those who don't follow the show on Instagram, we are moving episode releases to Tuesdays for the time being. My semester schedule has my weekends very tightly packed, and doesn't leave much time for me to edit the show by Sunday nights. Monday nights, on the other hand, are much lighter for me on average, reducing some of the stress of getting the show out on time. That's why this episode is coming out on a Tuesday and not a Monday. Before we dive in, remember that you can find all my sources linked in the show notes and transcript, which are available on our website, the A to Z Animal Podcast.com, under the Episodes tab. Additionally, any ecology terminology that may be used often most likely can be found on our glossary page. I will be defining words that we may not encounter as often in an individual episode. If you have any feedback or recommendations for a letter, feel free to contact me at Mickey Barra or at A to Z Animal Pod on Twitter and Instagram. There's also a form that you can fill out for animal suggestions on our website. Even if we've done that letter, so feel free to submit and hopefully we'll get the chance to circle back around. We started with A for I.I., our weird little lemur friend, followed by B for Binturong, the bear cat, and then C for Caracal, or the desert lynx. After that, we discussed the long-overlooked dole, or Asiatic wild dog, and critically endangered European mink. From there, we talked about my new favorite crocodilian, the false gharial, and then the possibly extinct Glaucus macaw. We then learned about the largest eagle in the Americas, the harpy eagle, and last week, the scarlet honeycreeper, or the eevee. Today, we are moving on to the letter J for Javan rhinoceros. As always, we start with the scientific name, and the name for this species is Rhinoceros sondacus. The genus should come to no surprise, as this is a species of rhinoceros. Now, there are several species of rhinos, well, five to be exact, and only two belong to this genus. These are the Javan and Indian rhinos, or the one-horned rhinoceroses. Now, why is it called a rhinoceros? Well, it comes from Greek. Rhino means nose and seros means horn, but I'm sure you can figure out why this name was given to these animals. Don't worry, I'll go into what makes a rhino a rhino in a second, but we're going to finish up with a scientific name first. Sondacus comes from Latin and refers to where these animals can be found. Sunda refers to the Sunda Islands in Indonesia, which apparently also means Java? Okay, so their scientific name is literally just Javan rhinoceros. So A plus for creativity to Carl Linnaeus or whatever scientist named the species. There are a total of five extant species in the Rhinocerotidae family. There's also a rhino superfamily that contains the extinct relatives of our modern unicorns, but I'm going to skip over that because it's not really related to our topic today. The five of these species are all ungulates, or hooved animals with odd toes. And no, I don't mean odd as in funny looking. They have an odd number of toes. They are also pachyderms, which is just a group of ungulates that have thick skin. That's what pachyderm translates to, by the way. These are your elephants, rhinos, and hippos. Okay, the nice thing about doing a species of rhinoceros is everyone listening probably knows the general idea of what they look like. But how can you tell the difference between the Javan rhino and, I don't know, a black rhino or a white rhino? Well, first of all, these guys only have one horn. In fact, I literally just mentioned that while going over their scientific name. And, much like the related species, this species is gray. 
based off comparison pictures I've looked at, they look more gray than black or white rhinoceros, but not quite as dark as the Sumatran rhino, but that could just be a comparison to the backgrounds they're found in, as the Javan rhinoceros isn't found in a different environment than the other species. Out of the five rhinoceros species still alive, this species is the second smallest on average. They can grow as large as four meters or about 13 feet long and 1.7 meters or five and a half feet tall. It may also weigh up to 2.3 tons or about 5,000 pounds or 2,300 kilograms. That's British tons, by the way. Now, I'm not going to lie. I am very confused on how this is the second smallest rhino because apparently the white rhinoceros is the largest extant rhino, but according to Google, is the same size as the description I just gave you. Also, all the size comparison pictures have the greater one-horned rhino coming in as the biggest, so I truly have no idea. That being said, the size I just gave you came from the WWF, and I trust that more than Google. It is also said to look most similarly to the greater one-horned rhinoceros, with a slightly smaller head size. This makes sense, as the greater one-horned rhino is also known as the Indian rhino, which is the only other member of the genus. And I know I said I wasn't going to go into depth about what these guys look like, because rhinoceroses all vaguely look like each other, but I should mention the skin flaps that make it look like this guy has body armor. I mean, all rhinoceroses have this faux armor, but I feel like since every site I looked at mentions it, I should too. Also, like I alluded to with their genus, they have a singular horn, and this horn can grow up to 25 centimeters or 10 inches long. Oh, and also before I forget, if you want a nice diagram for comparison, I added a nice illustration from the WWF Australia's website on these guys that I found helpful in learning to tell my rhinos apart. Another nice thing about this episode is that I've already pretty much hit on where these guys can be found just by saying its name. As we know from previous episodes, Java is in Indonesia. Until 2010, they could have also been found in Vietnam, but 11 years ago, the final Javan rhinoceros, which called Vietnam home, was shot and dehorned. Now, the few remaining individuals of the species call Indonesia's Ujang Kulan National Park home. Like, that's it. That's their entire range, the singular national park that has guards protecting them from poachers. However, 150 years ago, these pachyderms called a variety of Asian localities home, including northeastern India through Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and the Indonesian islands of Sumatra and, of course, Java. I should point out that all these regions which they did call home were all tropical rainforests, as that is the habitat they still utilize today. But as I'm sure you already know, they are being removed at a rapid rate all around the world. We'll go into this a little bit more when we get into conservation. More specifically, these rhinos like dense lowland rainforests with plenty of water, mud wallows, salt licks, tall grasses, and reed beds. Okay, yes, I know, I'm kind of whizzing through appearance, habitat, and geography, but I feel like there's not much to say about it, simply because most people already know that stuff just by hearing the name Javan rhinoceros. But fair warning, the rest of the episode may also seem like it's not as in-depth as some others, simply because we don't know a ton about this species. These massive animals are so few and far between, it's not common to spot them in the wild. They are also incredibly solitary, so it's not like if you find one, you find ten. We do have a general idea on their diet, behavior, and life history, but that's it. General. I've done my best to find as many details as I could, but I still feel bad that I can't provide as much information as I would like. 
Okay, let's start with diet. What are these animals that weigh thousands of pounds eating to get that big? In the simplest of terms, they eat plants. Yes, this two-ton animal only eats plants. In fact, they're strictly browsers. Quick terminology lesson, a browser eats vegetation at or near ground level, such as stems or leaves, while grazers eat grasses. So these guys eat shoots, twigs, young foliage, and fallen fruit. That being said, there is thought that they may have been a mixed feeder and graze on grasses, especially in their historic range. While these rhinoceroses are the most endangered of the five species, they are also the most adaptable, at least when it comes to feeding. This is because pretty much any plant they can reach, they will most likely eat, as scientists have identified 300 different species that make up their diet. Now, like I said a little bit ago, we don't know a ton about their behavior because they're really solitary and hard to find. What we do know is that much like other rhino species, they spend a decent amount of time wallowing. No, not in sadness, but in the mud. Much like humans, rhinos are susceptible to awful sunburns, so they will roll around and wallow in the mud to protect their skin. This behavior also helps moisturize their hide. I think rhinos have a better skincare routine than me. It is also thought that inhibition of this behavior may result in diseases or bacterial infections. There was a study done to see if these behaviors differ between the sexes, and the research team found that there didn't seem to be a major difference. When they wallow, an individual may stand or sit, and honestly, I am now just picturing a big gray dog sitting in a mud puddle, all proud of itself. Javan rhinos may also roll around in the mud and rub their horn in it, which is believed to be an attempt to deepen the hole. They may also sleep while wallowing in the mud, and honestly, as tired as I am right now, I have to say that is super relatable. Other documented Javan rhino behavior includes bouts of rubbing their horn against a solid surface, such as a tree, shaking their head, or moving their ears. It is thought that these behaviors may be tied to communication. Javan rhinos have also been seen utilizing many aggressive behaviors, including attacking and charging at a perceived threat. Being the behemoths that they are, one of these behaviors they demonstrate is a refusal to move, step back, or give up their ground to a threat. Typically, this aggressiveness is seen in bulls, or males, and may be accompanied by a loud roaring. Aggressive behaviors are also present when a mother cow, as in female rhino, not moo cow, steps in to defend her calf from a threat. Like many mammals, these rhinos do not have great vision, so when it comes to communicating, they tend to use their sense of smell or hearing. Most of the communication done by these rhinos is through chemicals, as they spread bodily secretions throughout their environment to display dominance or protect territory. These secretions, and apologies for the grossness of this, are spread by methods such as defecating on or nearby another rhino's previous defecation site. This is most likely done by more dominant males. Okay. Again, sorry for this being gross, but these rhinos are often found to relieve their bowels in some form of water most of the time. And if not water, probably in the wallows. You know, those mud pits they were rolling around in. They also say they use their hearing to communicate, so they have to make noises, right? Yes, the Javan rhinoceros is able to produce a wide array of sounds with distinct meanings. These noises include a neigh, a shriek, a snort, a bleat, and lip vibrations. Growling may also be heard more than 600 meters away. So it kind of seems like they can make most ungulate noises, and by that I mean like horses and sheep. 
Other than weird ways to communicate and acting like massive pigs, these rhinos do have another behavior attributed to them. In the course of one day, a Javan rhinoceros may travel up to 20 kilometers or about 12.4 miles just browsing for suitable food. Which is kind of insane considering they seem to eat everything. Females are thought to have a home range. Yes, finally we're talking about home range again after having many species that don't have well-documented home ranges of 500 hectares or 5 square kilometers. At least that's the maximum size. This is just shy of 2 square miles or just about 1,235 acres of land. Males are thought to have even larger home ranges, possibly up to 100 square kilometers. While they may poop to defend a territory, they aren't necessarily territorial. That is, these rhinos do not defend a specific territory. That being said, on top of their poop, males will secrete orange-red urine onto vegetation in the area they occupy. Yeah, I'm not thrilled most of the episode seems to be talking about rhino poop and pee. Now, while they can travel miles in a single day, because their current range is a single area of Java, they are more likely to move only 0.4 to 3.8 kilometers per day. This is roughly a quarter mile to 2.3 miles. Females may encounter each other and have overlapping ranges, while it's fairly rare for males to overlap each other. Like many solitary animals we have discussed on this show, they do come together when it's time to mate. Males will interact with each other to help attract mates by performing fighting displays. This most likely tells the female which one is stronger and therefore has the better genes. Now, I also read that females may engage in these fighting displays as a means of courtship rituals. Courtship may also include loud roars by both sexes and potentially tearing up vegetation together. That being said, unlike other rhino species, their courtship and reproduction has not been well documented, so much of this is speculation. Also, apparently along with the roars, the males will whistle to attract females, and the loudest one is associated with the dominant male. I am seriously starting to doubt these noises the rhinos are capable of, but I guess I'm going to just blindly trust the one website I found any detailed behavior information on. Unlike other animals we've discussed, these animals are capable of breeding year-round. This is most likely because they only breed every four to five years with a 16th month gestation period, accompanied by a lengthy period where the mother cares for the calf. As such, they breed when they can. Okay, we aren't actually sure how long they gestate for. We think it's 16 months or somewhere near that based on the greater one-horned rhino's gestation period. Also, according to the WWF, the breeding season is roughly July through November, but really we aren't sure about that either. Oh, and each 16th month pregnancy only yields one child, but considering how big rhinos are, they are having fairly big babies. How big? We aren't actually sure. Some anecdotal information indicates that fetuses were about 17 centimeters or just shy of 7 inches long when a mother was presumed to be halfway through gestation. Other stories have young rhinos, which of course were not aged, to be 130 centimeters or about 51 inches or 4.2 feet long. Four, that calf was said to be fully grown and reached 170 centimeters or about 66 inches or about 5.5 feet in length. So yeah, we have no idea how big the babies really are. Once the baby is born, the male has no parental investment. Actually, they have no parental investment past the conception of said calf. At about one to two hours old, these Javan rhino calves are capable of walking. Once they have successfully walked, they will feed from their mother, which is an odd way to say nursing. Sorry about that. 
the calf will be weaned around one to two years of age, and typically after weaning or about two years after birth, the Javan rhino is ready to go off on its own. At five to seven years old, female Javan rhinos will reach reproductive age. Males, on the other hand, will not achieve this until around 10. Now, we aren't certain about how long these animals live for. They're so sparse in the wild that they're incredibly difficult to study. Additionally, they have not been bred in captivity, which also eliminates some of our knowledge of lifespan. That being said, based on what we do know about this species and other species of rhinoceros, we think they live to be about 30 to 40 years. Okay, let's talk about some fun facts before we get into the serious issue of conservation. My first fun fact, and I feel like this is common knowledge, but I need to share it anyway because I love it. Rhino has three acceptable plural forms. Rhinos, rhinoceros, and rhinoceroses. Also, it's believed stories involving unicorns stem from artists not understanding what a rhino was when explorers came back from visiting regions with them present, and just kinda did their best. So yeah, unicorns are real. They just come in the form of rhinoceros. I've kind of hinted that these guys are very few and far between. Well, according to the WWF Australia, all 67 remaining Javan rhinos have names, and one of them is called Rawing. They actually have a whole article about him on their website, and I've linked it on this episode page. So go check it out and learn all about this cute little rhino. Okay, not little, but still. This one is really cool to me as an evolution nerd, but apparently it is thought that these guys have remained relatively the same evolutionary-wise for at least one million years. There are very few animals around today that look like their ancestors, and I guess the Javan rhino is joining the ranks of the horseshoe crabs as one of them. This one goes for all rhinos, but I still have to share it. The stuff that makes up a rhino's horn is the same thing that makes up your fingernails. Yeah, it's just keratin. Now makes even less sense as to why poachers kill them for their horns. Like, do they just want a big fingernail? That being said, if the horn does break off on its own, it does have the ability to grow back. The difference is that being natural and poachers being big enough jerks to kill an entire animal for a fingernail. Another fun fact is that they have a pointed upper lip to help them grasp vegetation. I probably should have mentioned that earlier with the diet, but oh well, I guess it's a fun fact now. Okay, in all seriousness, we need to talk about conservation. If you listened all the way through last week's episode on the EUV, you've probably heard me to refer to the species as one of the most endangered mammals in the world. And it is. According to the IUCN Red List, these rhinos are critically endangered. In fact, only 67 individuals remain in the wild. And I already mentioned that they haven't been bred in captivity, so 67, that's it. Now, the good news is the numbers seem to be climbing. In fact, some articles I read have the number closer to 100. Now, that's still ridiculously small, but it's better than 67. I mentioned in the Glaucus McCall episode that when you get to a certain size population, you start getting bottlenecks and decreased genetic diversity. This is true for a population of only about 70. Oh, not to mention there are only 18 mature individuals according to the IUCN. That is only 18 individuals capable of mating. And that number could be even lower, depending on the male-to-female ratio. In fact, the World Wildlife Fund lists low genetic diversity as one of the major threats this species faces, as without a diverse gene pool, the longevity of this species is at risk. Natural disasters are another major threat to this species. As I've said a few times now, they're only found in one very specific part of the world. 
And this region just so happens to be vulnerable to things like tsunamis and even a potential major explosion by the nearby Anak Karatu volcano. These events would wipe out the entire population of Javan rhinoceroses. Oh, not to mention living on an island with rising sea levels is also an issue. Not to mention, there have been recent deaths that are thought to be stemmed from disease transmitted by cattle nearby. So if that goes unchecked, that 67 is going to drop fast. And this should come as no surprise, their habitat is quickly disappearing due to human land use. People that live near the national park are slowly encroaching on and degrading this vital habitat. Not to mention recent developments near the park, including those that stem from ecotourism, are furthering this encroachment. And the little forest that they have left is also being attacked from the inside. The invasive Oranga palm has taken over sections of the park, reducing habitat quality and foraging availability. Now, the IUCN Red List does have this species listed as stable, and I have even seen some sources say that they are increasing. But again, even if we're increasing the population slowly, remember they only have babies about every five years, the decreased diversity poses more risks in the long run. If you are listening to this episode on our website, then you probably have already seen that there are plenty of efforts underway to help these animals. In fact, there are so many more if you Google them, but I decided to only include the ones that seemed the most legit. First of all, the International Rhino Foundation has efforts in Indonesia to help expand the habitat and range of these rhinos. Additionally, they have efforts in place to protect them from poachers in the area and help reduce the number of individuals that are dying due to illegal sale of horns. The World Wildlife Fund has similar efforts to establish a second population underway, as well as protect them from man-made threats. The Edge of Existence program also has efforts to help these rhinos through research and conservation efforts based on their evolutionary history. Finally, Save the Rhino aims to protect all rhino species around the world. Particularly for the Javan rhinoceros, they are looking to expand suitable habitat for the current population to expand into in hopes to bolster its size. All of these conservation efforts are linked on our site and I highly recommend looking into and donating to one or more if you feel so inclined. I'll be real, I didn't even realize there was a Javan rhinoceros until I set out to find my letter J. I only had really ever heard about white and black rhinos because those are what I've encountered at the zoo or heard about through news publications. And while those species also need our help, the Javan rhinoceros desperately does. One of the reasons I started this podcast was to highlight animals that we need to protect now before it's too late, especially those that have been long overlooked by the masses. I highly encourage you all to do your own reading into the species and tell all your friends about them. We may have conservation efforts underway, but maybe you or someone you pass the message on to will get inspired and figure out a way to save not only this rhinoceros, but all the five remaining species. I hope you enjoyed learning about the most endangered large mammal with me. Feel free to follow at A to Z Animal Pod on Instagram and Twitter for updates about upcoming episodes. With the semester underway, it is especially important if you want to know if I'll miss a week, as sometimes exams just take precedence over the podcast. If you made it this far, please feel free to give me some feedback, be it over social media or email. All my contact information can be found on the A to Z Animal Podcast.com. What do you think I did well? What topic do you think I glossed over too fast? Do you want longer episodes, shorter episodes? Any feedback is so highly appreciated, as I am brand new to hosting a podcast and know there are probably a million things I could improve upon. Just a reminder, we're moving our episode releases to Tuesdays instead of Mondays. Thank you so much for listening to the A to Z Animal Podcast. I'm Michaela Baratka, and I hope you'll tune in next week as we move on to letter K for Kakapow, a New Zealand parrot that I guarantee will bring a smile to your face. Have a good day, and stay safe.